host, Lisa Kay, here with the absolutely incredible Jennifer Conkey, best partner ever. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. All right, everyone. And we have a phenomenal guest here today with an absolute heart of gold. We are super excited for Lark to tell you her story. So Lark Galley, we're going to turn it over to you to tell us more um, about, and to use your words, which I think is so phenomenal, the mission that you are serving um, at this time, which gives me goosebumps to just even say that. So super excited to share what you're doing with our listeners. So I'll turn it over to you. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So if you had told me um, eight months ago that I would be standing up and speaking out against suicide, I would have said, no way. You guys are absolutely crazy. I will never talk about that in a public forum. And yet here I am. You guys are probably my 20th podcast that I've done in the last few months um, because I feel so strongly about this. Um, in my past, I was in corporate America for over 20 years left, started my own businesses. I have multiple businesses. Um, one is a small trucking company. I do business consulting. We also do some, my husband, and I have a company that does government contracting. So all of these things. And yet when my son passed away from suicide, uh, it's been almost seven and a half months ago, um, completely changed my life. And all the things that I had been doing suddenly, they didn't matter. I sort of went into a dark hole and thought, wow, I, I can't go on. Um, I wasn't gonna talk about it, but then people started reaching out to me, my friends, and they started saying, we have kids that know your, your son and uh, we're concerned. I mean, the, they were already struggling and now they might even go over the edge you know, with this whole copycat suicide thing. And that's when I made a shift and I made a decision that I couldn't hide. I had to start talking about it. It's real. It's pervasive in our country. It's affecting youth and adults. It's everyone. And I realized that this was something that was now a mission for me, that it wasn't just something that, that I could hide. It's something that I had to bring out. And as I've been speaking about this and making people aware, it's allowed me to heal and feel my son close to me, um, helping me share this message. And also it's helped me to heal from my father's suicide. He died of suicide five years before my son. And I couldn't even talk about it. And now that I'm open and talking about it, I am finally healing. And that's what I want to tell people is let's get rid of the shame and the stigma. We're, we're all struggling and, and we need to be there to help other people. Yes. Amen. This is such an ongoing epidemic, Lark. And, and your story is just, it's really compelling. And I love your mission to spread that message. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what that message is and what your journey has been to share it? Sure. So in the beginning, I was posting a lot on Facebook, kind of doing some videos and things like that about what I had been learning because I would reach out to therapists or other people who had experienced a loss, other parents. And I found out uh, several things. Um, first of all, is that these people who are coming to, to um, taking their own lives, they, they don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like um, they have a place to go, that there's a community that they can be part of. And they feel like they're a burden to their families. And you know that's probably not the way the family is feeling, but that's what they're feeling. And they're feeling that their family would be better off if they you know, took their own life. Um, and that's, that's why we need to help other people know how much we love them, that we care about them. 
when we see people on the fringes maybe of society or of groups those are the people we need to reach out to so that they can feel included right yes um, and then uh just learning about how people struggle and and the difference between feeling like they want to end their lives or you know because I, I i think all of us at one point or another felt like yeah i'd it'd just be better if i weren't here right there's that yeah then, and i think a lot of people are afraid to admit that yes. and, I, and that's, that's what feeds it yes but that's true we've all felt like hey you know life would i just wish i could stop right yeah. but that's one thing but the next the big divide between those who actually take their lives are the ones that come up with a plan mm -hmm. and so we can see somebody who's depressed and then suddenly they're they're happy and fine and we think they're fine when in reality they've just come up with a plan and they're feeling great and that's what actually happened with my son because three years prior to to him taking his life he had expressed that he was you know not feeling well depressed feeling suicidal we took him in to see a therapist he was there a few months and then he's like mom i'm good i, I i'm fine and and i just took him at his word and so he went for three years and he had a plan and when things got too rough it was kind of like a um the perfect storm the day that he did it three things just kind of came together collided and it became too much for this 19 year old and and he just put the plan into effect and and that's why we need to be so careful and say okay oh they're you know they were sad now they're feeling better but did they have a plan? Is that why, are they ready to check out and what's going to happen? So there is so much behind this mental wellness and all the, there are a lot of different pieces that go into it. Yeah, there really are. It's a, it's an ongoing problem. And it's something that I'm glad that there's so much awareness of it. it it's like the awareness is rising, right? right. And, right. and now it's like, how do we give them the tools or, and, and tools for both tools for the individual that's feeling that way and tools for the family, the friends, the network and all the people that influence them. Like now that we're aware, what can we do? And what do you tell people like how to see the signs and what to do to, to help? So first of all, it has to do with, you know, do they feel like they belong? Do they, they feel like they're part of a group? And then of course you don't want to say to a kid, um, do you, do you feel like you're a burden to the family? You know, you don't, you don't need to say that or to other people you see suffering, just let them know, hey, you're not a burden to me. I love you, I appreciate you. I'm so grateful you're part of the family. Um, kids need to understand that nothing they can do will stop your love as a parent for that. Because Bingo. kids get so afraid. I mean, you, you maybe you see kids that are like, they, they are confused about gender or they feel like, hey, I, I'm attracted to same sex or I got the neighbor girl pregnant or whatever it is, they have got to know that your love for them is unconditional. And um, I've, I've really had a shift in this because my husband's military, we kind of ran the house, very militant, this, this, and this, these are the rules and don't show up, you know, type thing, right? right? And I think my kids were bits, you know, scared to cross the line. And so for my son to say that the first time, mom, I, I need to tell you, you know, I'm feeling depressed. Okay, let's get you help. Um, I've shifted the way I would parent now. It's not so much the militant way, the forceful way. It's more, I'm a parent. I'm here to guide you. I love you. Uh, let me help you through as best I can, not to try to save them or force them. And this has been a big shift in the way I look at parenting. 
you know what, Lord, a lot of folks are out there, right? In my generation, I'm 40, I'm on level 45, right? And so when I think about that, I think about growing up, there was a lot of structure in my life. And so, of course, I cascade that down and I believe wholeheartedly that we need structure, but structure to what, you know, what effect and is the structure enough to where it's supportive and they have what they need or is the structure just like repressing them and holding them and controlling them and straddling that divide is very difficult as a parent because they need to have respect for others and respect for self but they also need to understand how to cope with big feelings, big emotions. And, and not everybody likes to be told what to do. I actually don't know very many people that do enjoy being told what to do. So I feel like there is a level of, um, there's a book that I read and I wish I could remember the author right now, but it's, it's how to talk so your kids will listen mm -hmm. and how to listen so your kids will talk. Mm -hmm. And I am full on ever since I've been realizing that there are kids out there taking their lives, cutting themselves, miserable, unable to talk to people, feel like they don't have anybody to listen to them. I don't want my kids in that, in that, any type of that group. I want them to feel like they can come and tell me anything, even if they get the neighbor pregnant. Like I want them to know, man, I can go to my mom and tell her anything and she will try to help me as best she can. But also the boundary of, and don't just get crazy. Don't get hog wild, you know? So, I mean, do you have any advice on how to go through that process? Well, and it is hard because, you know, as a parent, you want the best for your child. Um, you, you, you want to be like forceful and strong enough that, that they don't end up, you know, out on the streets. Right. But you don't want to be so strong that they end up taking their life. And that is a really fine line. I, you know, I've talked to parents about that and I think, um, helping the kids understanding boundaries, you know, these are certain rules that are, that are non-negotiable sort of to make the family function. Right. But then there are other things where it's more like guidance, more like, um, you know, hey, it's your, these are the, the bedtime, this is when we suggest you go to bed, but hey, you know, you're 16 and you can choose, right? Yeah. Um, certain, certain things where we allow them more responsibility so that as they get older into adulthood, they, they can kind of see by making smaller choices that aren't so consequential. Um, as they get older, college years, et cetera, the choices they make, which have bigger consequences around them, they, they've had an opportunity to make certain choices without the parent always dictating, always saying. Another thing is uh, a friend of mine texted me a couple weeks ago and she said that um, she was in the hospital with her teenage son who had attempted. And, and what did I suggest to her, you know, um, and I'm just like, hey, you've got to love your son. You've got to know, let him know that you are there unconditionally. Her struggle was that her ex-husband wanted to basically do a tough love that he felt like this was just baloney and he needed to know you know what the rules were and he was going to get a lot more tough love going on and i'm like that is the last thing you want to do for a kid who is struggling right yeah, yeah. so uh, my heart went out to her because she was she was really battling you know her her ex-husband on this yeah. And that's, that's very hard, right? The co the co-parenting after divorce, mm -hmm. right? Cause now you're not just trying to manage it in your own home. You're trying to figure out how do I manage it at my home and then figure out how to align and assimilate with whatever's going on in the other home. And there might be two different schools of thoughts on discipline and that could be difficult, very difficult. Exactly. You know, but they have to understand with the suicide, um, if you have, if you have attempted, you have basically broken a barrier that um, you you have naturally. For example, if I held your head underwater, you would fight me, right? Yeah. And so 
to the fact that someone has attempted to try to go through with taking their own life, they're not in their right mind. They, they have um, overcome this boundary of self-preservation. And so you have to look at them as needing mental health, you know, yes. some, some help in that area and, and not just say, Oh, they're just, you know, looking for, for attention. This situation has gone beyond that. Right. I mean, back maybe, um, in our parents' day, you heard occasionally of suicide. Now I'm hearing about people's suicide multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. People are reaching out to me and I'm, I'm just hearing about it across the board, youth and adults, and that people are struggling. And as I started talking more about it, people would come to me because they knew it was a safe space. They could talk people that you would never in a million years have suspected of attempting to take their lives told me about how they had attempted maybe 20 years earlier or a few months earlier this year or people who had been thinking about it. And because I make it a safe place for people to talk, you know, we can, we can work through that. And, and that's what I want to tell people is like, let's get rid of the shame and the stigma that I felt so much around my father's suicide yeah. and say, let's talk about it. Because if we can take away that stigma and say, if you're hurting, let, let's talk, let's find you some help. There, there will be help because that's the hard part with mental illnesses. It's like cutting your arm and you, you see like a gash there, right? All of us know that if we get the right medical attention, it will heal, it will be okay. But inside, when we have mental illness problems, we feel this void and we feel this pain inside. And it's like a, a physical pain, like you're gashing your arm but we don't know how to make it get better. We don't know if it will ever heal. And that's, that's the concern of people who are struggling, right? And so that's why we've got to come up with ways to connect with other people to, to say, okay, maybe it's you know a chemical imbalance. Let's find some answers. Um, it's not gonna be easy, but we're here to support you. And let them know that, that they are important because I look at a couple of people in my life that were mentors people that had a huge impact on me and both of them had um, suicide ideation when they were younger and they could easily have taken their lives. And I thought these people were so instrumental for me. If they hadn't been around when I needed them, that would have, you know, created a void in my life. So these people who are struggling, they, they are that mentor, that person for someone else down the road and everybody matters. Their story matters. Their, their individuality matters. Um, we cannot go around this planet thinking that we can do so disconnected from other people. That's not how we were created as humans. And so with, you know, like technology, we're more connected than ever. And yet the population feels more unconnected than ever. So it's a matter of, of helping youth, especially connect with each other. And I've started working I started working with a couple of nonprofits that go into schools. Um, they bring in programs. One does um, like, it's kind of like a, a club to help kids create and learn these social skills that schools don't have time to teach right now. Right. Um, they're doing math and, and English and all of that, but they don't have time to, or, you know, or focus on, Hey, these are the soft skills. This is how you start a conversation. This is how you, you know, help another person see, read, you know, the, their, their body language, their signs, and, and they're teaching them this in, in like a club setting. And then there's another nonprofit that goes in and brings 
motivational speakers in, into into the kids well you know resiliency they don't go in and say hey suicide prevention they go in and say hey let's talk about my struggle that i had you know going through xyz or let's talk about you know how i overcame this in a way that the kids can understand and start to develop their own uh, resiliency skills so that when things do get tough they can think back and like, oh, I remember, you know, how this person overcame these feelings or what they did to get through a tough time. And they do that. And then they also do parent nights where they bring in parents. And that's not a rah-rah event. That's a let's get the blinders off. These, this, this is happening. These are some things. These are signs you can look for. These are things you can do to help, you know, create a better environment with your children um, and, and resources that they bring to the community. So all of that, you know, costs money. It's not, they, they don't charge a lot of money, but they, but it does cost them something. And so I've been reaching out to my network to say, who would like to be involved with this? You know, who feels called? Because I, I feel like it, this is more than just like, hey, yeah, you know, I'll show up once in a while. It's, it's a calling. It's people saying, I want to make a difference. And most of these people have been impacted in some way or bullied as a kid or have felt, you know, suicidal themselves or, or have, a family member that died by suicide and so these people are they're just coming to me and I'm, I'm creating this database I got this idea to do this and I'm like I don't even know where we're going with this but creating a database um, helping them get connected with these two different nonprofits um, and then working with businesses trying to get businesses involved so that they can sponsor the schools in the, their area for the kids to for these resources to come in and help the kids in their area um, and just doing quite a bit with nonprofits. And then there's a couple of um, profit, profit, for-profit companies that I'm working with that they're coming in and they're starting to do resiliency training for veterans. And my, my husband's a veteran, 35 years in the guard and the reserves. He just barely. Oh. And then yeah. my, my youngest daughter just signed up in the guard. So, you know, and the veteran suicides are huge. They're, they're out of control. And then first responders, they're also, starting to you know creep up we're seeing that the with the firefighters the policemen just the struggles that they that they're dealing with partially because of all of the horrific things they've seen and so um like i said these companies are starting to go out there and get do starting to do training for this so all of these people i'm starting to connect with and saying i don't know how all the puzzles pieces are going to fit together but i feel like it's a movement that people yeah see the need and they want to make a difference and they want to get involved. And that's, I think the first start where there's people that want to, to contribute their time, their money, you know, what they can do. And that's beautiful. Yeah, man, like, that is beautiful. It is a movement because you have, so you said in the military, right? All the veterans, and then you have the first, the first responders. And then you have like for Manny Lopez, we were just on a, on a show. We just had him on the show the foster kids, right? You have all those kids, the kids who have been adopted and, you know, they wonder and they have thoughts about their, their birth parents. There are so many things that happen, like so many life events that happen that can cause a little bit of trauma that just builds and it just eats away at self-worth. Yes. So I think it's a huge movement. And if there's any way that we can, if that we can help, I would, I would love to, to contribute. Sure. To that. I love the resiliency thing. The schools do not teach the right stuff. Yeah. They just don't. <laughs> They're, they're teaching the skills that, you know, that, okay, you need to get a job, right? But they're forgetting about the soft skills. Yeah. And, and, and that connection with other people is so huge. So. It is. It is. One of the biggest things that I struggled with, and I, 
I know that for me in my career, um, because I came from so much structure, I, I just have, you know, high expectations and do, 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 right? And it was just very militant. And it was something that I had to overcome and learn the softer side of things because in my upbringing, it was just, yeah, hey, man, jump. Okay, how high? So that translated into my own leadership style and I had to learn that softer side. And once I did, it was easier for me. It's right. a lot more gray, right? To navigate through the ambiguity, but, but it's easier because it's, it's softer on the heart and you're not always angry because people aren't meeting your expectations. And then I'm not meeting my own expectations. So then the inner voice starts beating the crap out of yourself. And it's just, it's such a huge cycle. So I, I think that's awesome. The nonprofit that you're talking about, is there, is there a name? If anybody wanted to get involved, how do they get involved? Okay, so there's two of them. Well, there's, it's called Stick to Life. So the word stick and then the number two and okay. then life.org. And that, uh, that's run by Erica. She's the one that founded it. She, just, she didn't even start it off as like a school as to help kids. She just got this idea once. That, oh, oh, I'm supposed to like get that that uh, domain name. Okay, I guess uh, she was going to start a business. You know, she's got kids, little kids, and mm -hmm. I want to start a business. So she she got that domain name and she thought, oh, I guess I'm going to do some kind of DIY in crafting or something. And then as she started to put this together, she was like, just got this inspiration. No, you are supposed to do something in schools. It has to do with stickers, you know, or magnets that that help kids have this resiliency and decide to stick around that's which awesome. is like so amazing right that's not how she started and then um so this is the one that brings in motivational speakers and they they do the parent nights right okay. and then there's um goldengatemovement.org is the other one and that's the one that does the clubs in schools and the price to set that up is so inexpensive right but a lot of it's um, a lot of times schools don't even have a few thousand dollars extra for, for anything like that, right? So just last week, I came in touch with a man who does fundraising. He helps schools, you know, kids, clubs, all of that. And he's done phenomenal. I mean, like, you know, $100,000 for a football team, right? He, just, he knows how to do it. Wow. And he had had um, some issues with his daughter several years ago who attempted suicide. So this whole thing is really close to his heart. And he's willing to get involved and start doing things where schools can easily raise the money that it would cost to bring in these kind of resources and, and then be able to raise the money and have them in the schools to help the kids. And so he and I are talking about that, you know, helping him set up his business so he can get that automated as much as possible. I'm like, you're going national. You need to be ready for this. Right. Mm -hmm. And and these are the people that are getting involved, the ones that their, their hearts are just longing to help and make a difference. And, and that's the kind of people that we're, that are coming. They're just yeah. coming in to get involved. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. That is really cool. I like that. Okay. So what do you, you talk on stages, right? You spread your message. Yes. So I've been doing that some, you know, and uh, I'm not quite sure where I'm going. I'm shifting. I used to be doing, so before my son died, I was doing business consulting, strategy, streamlining, all of that, um, because I run my trucking company in one hour a week. And so that, you know, fortunately was set up like that so that when my son passed away, I, I, my business didn't fall apart. Right. Okay. But as my son passed away, I started looking at this and saying, you know, high achievers, they have an issue with their work, their self-worth. And my son definitely felt that way. And so I started doing these programs more geared to like, let's get this problem in here fixed. And then as I'm shifting towards that, just in the last few months, it was like, okay, 
that's that's a great message but you need to like even go deeper instead of the whole business thing let's just start talking to mental wellness groups people that need to hear this um about my son's story and about my story as a parent and what i went through because if i can help one parent not go through like the significant loss and the grief and just you know the suicide is one thing now imagine the the months after the grief cycle that every member of my family is experiencing at a different spot um i feel like not only have i lost my son but i've lost some members of my family in the sense that they checked out emotionally or they're struggling or mom's the one that they can feel safe with to be angry with and and have struggles so this has been very difficult you know months later and now like i said it's been seven and a half months and and we're still trying to get a grasp on what's been going on um so if i can help one parent not have to go through this if i can help a child to make a different decision so that they stick around i've changed the world and and that's what i want people to understand is it doesn't take a lot to change the world by simply being kind and loving and letting other people know that they matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, enough said, mic drop. Right. Right. But that's it. That's just period. Kindness would solve so much. Mm-hmm. Really you know would. what? Um, I had a friend who recently, she, last year she lost her mom. And while, you know, she kind of expected it. The mom was having health problems. She lost her mom. It was, she struggled. This year, her daughter was pregnant, about to have her baby, you know, you're thinking beautiful things. Went into premature labor, had a beautiful baby boy, complications, and the daughter ended up dying just a few days later. So now the grandparents are going to raise this beautiful boy, which they're so grateful for. But can you imagine where she's like, how she shows up in the day? She's, she's just, this, my, this friend is just fragile. We don't know what other people are going through. And yet we, we, you know, show up. I know I did in a very strong energy in a like, do it, get out of my way. You know, let's hurry. We don't know the struggles that other people are going through and just to be kind and to be soft and to offer them grace. Yes. I love that. If they learn anything today, it's that you don't know what anybody else is going through. No. It's a big you know thing. Yeah, I mean, and and it, because I promise you that some point in your life, you'll be at that spot where you're oh, yeah. wanting people yeah. to be soft and kind to you because of things that are going on that you have no control over, that life pretty much fell apart. Yeah, that's, that's important. true. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna put that, make sure that that's in the show notes for sure. You know, I, um, I really wanna get the audience to know how to get in touch with you if they wanna be involved in your movement, or if they need to reach out and just, maybe they are having a child that's going through those issues, or maybe they have lost a child. How could they get a hold of you, Lark? So my website's larkdeangalley.com. And it right now it's been all about business. <laughs> so I am in the process of switching over and I'm going to put some more resources up there about what people can do, who they can contact, some grief things things that helped me overcome, you know, different grief. And I still have my moments, you know, some moments are great and I can push forward and some moments are like, okay, I just need to take a mental wellness day and just like check out and, and be here. Um, I was, went to a, um, a bereaved mother's retreat last month and I 
hadn't realized how exhausted I was on all levels. And that's so important is like, you need to take care of yourself, right? So that you can show up for other people. And I think women, especially, you know, we're going to give and give and give until we're in our grave and, and we can't do that. So, um, I, like I said, I'm totally shifting. Uh, I don't quite have all the answers where it's going to go, but I think people need some resources. And one thing I put together a couple months after my son died was, um, a, a course on emotional self-reliance. How do we have, you know, the strength and the skills and built inside us. So when things happen, when they fall apart, when life gets hard, because it's going to happen that we are so strong in ourselves that we, we can go on even when it's hard. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, just through things that have happened in my life, I've had to build that up and, and be at a point where I can say, okay, I have to accept the reality of my son's death. You know, so many people in this situation, they go, what, you know, if only things had been different or I wish I could change this and there's regret and sadness, but I can't change it. And so instead of saying, you know, let me try to change it. Let me wallow in something that I don't accept as my reality. No, this is my reality. Okay. I can't change the past, but what can I do to change the future that makes this place better because of my son's passing? Yes. I love it. How would, how would someone, is that course um, posted on your website? You know what it is, but I will give a link for you guys for your show notes to do um, the first module for free so that people can, can check that out. Okay. Well, perfect. Okay. So we'll get the link and we'll put in the show notes and, and that'll be available for everybody. I like that. That's really awesome. Thank you, Lark. Yeah. Lisa, and I did for anyone listening, <clears throat> you know, maybe that course um, or Lark's resources wouldn't apply to you directly, but you know, someone that, you know, um, so it never, never hesitate, you know, never hesitate to talk about it. I mean, I think what Lark <clears throat> shared, it, you know, reminds me of a lot of the work that Brene Brown is doing around, you know, when we just talk about those things that we're ashamed of, it creates this sense of vulnerability and connection and ultimately confidence, greater confidence. And so, you know, don't hesitate to, to talk about something. I mean, I know it's a fragile subject, but you'll never regret talking about it. You'll always regret not talking about it. Right. Exactly. So I think, um, you know, even if for those listening, this doesn't apply directly to you or your family, um, now that you have that seed planted, you know, this is a great place to circle back and have a resource. Should you hear something, should you be presented with a situation where someone could use the support? So Lark, thank you so much for your kindness. And, and, and I totally understand it. I love Brene Brown. And, you know, in the beginning it was scary, you know, my my thought was oh my goodness are people going to judge me they're going to think i'm a terrible mom why didn't we see any of this coming why didn't we do whatever what's wrong with my son all of these judgments i was so afraid and let me tell you something no one has has been unkind no one has come out and you know flung dirt at me they've been so supportive and so kind and 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 then as i shared more and more and more it's like my family's like okay mom now you've shared a little bit too much let's put that genie back in the bottle because i feel like the more i share the more i want to share i i feel like this burden is off my shoulders like the burden i had with my father of oh i can't tell you my best friends didn't know my father died by suicide because i couldn't talk about it and i 
and I had this like dark hole I was in for five months after he died and this burden and this guilt. And now talking about it with my son, I've been able to heal from my father and, and just, I feel so free in the sense that I don't carry this burden of shame. And, and it's so important because I can't go out and talk to other people and help them if I'm carrying that burden. It's true. When you speak from it, who is it that says when you speak from your scars versus your wound? Oh yeah. I can't I remember. Natalie, That's a good one. Natalie, someone, it's on our, it's on uh, episode two with Rebecca Weaver. Yes. Weaver's the one. That's who I learned it from. Yeah. She talked about that and it just, it hit me and I was like, oh, that makes sense. When, when you're speaking from your scar versus the open wound, uh, you're, you're a lot more effective to help others. So I thought that that was really cool. And that's what I want to help people understand is it's, it's been tough. It's been hard, but, but there is healing in some sense. Um, I feel closer to my son now than I did before. I mean, I've had some very spiritual experiences that, that have allowed me to move forward and just feel like it's going to be okay in the end. And if I can make something good of this, then I've, I've kind of helped him on his mission. I've helped with my mission of getting this out there and, and letting people know this is a real thing. If it hasn't impacted your family yet, it will, because it's just spreading across our country. Yeah. And we need to have, as parents, we need to have tough conversations with our kids. Let them know that you love them. Let them know that it doesn't matter what goes on in their life. You're there to support them. And because they are struggling, you know, even as adult kids, they're struggling. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So I just want to, in closing, I want to wrap it up. You know, if, um, if you're having those thoughts out there, it's totally normal to have a little self-doubt, but when you don't talk about it and work through the problem, it feeds and it feeds and that inner voice just becomes more and more negative and the cycle becomes really a toxic environment for yourself. So, you know, if you're having those feelings, it's okay. Find somebody that you can talk to. And if you want to reach out to Lara and get involved in her movement or just talk about what's going on, please make sure that you reach out. And I know that she shared her website, larkdeangalley.com. We'll have that link in the show notes for everybody. Um, I just, I know that it's a, it's an ongoing epidemic and mental health is a huge issue right now. And I think that it's so, it's so important that you're spreading this message, Lark. And I really appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with us today in our audience. Thank you. It's, it's super important. It really is. Cool. Well, thank you for stopping by. And uh, I just want to sign off and tell everybody thank you. Don't forget lardteamgalley.com and don't feed that inner beast in your head. Talk to somebody, okay?